Hi, you're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations Around the Messy Intersection of Faith, Family, and Business. Today I've got a treat for you. This is a message that Bill Johnson did at Bethel Church, and we've got permission from him to share this with you to help you grow. This is a key foundation of building, you could say, a success culture, a winning culture. Literally, it's biblical, it works, it's so true, and it's literally the power of testimony to shift and shape culture. You could say the power of story, and if you're uncertain about that, just ask yourself this simple question. How did you decide what you purchased, your last Amazon purchase? Did you look at the reviews? Well, the reviews are literally testimonies. They help you make decisions. Well, in that way, let's extrapolate that a whole heap more and talk about the stories of God and how that shifts and shapes our lives, what we are telling ourselves, the narrative that affects us and causes us to attract more of God into our life, or literally set ourselves up for failure. So you can find this entire video on the Heaven and Business platform. It's actually this week's focused content. It's something that we just have this sense of urgency on of people. What are you feeding yourself with? And then secondly, if you want to find out more, heavenandbusiness.com. We have a membership platform. We're inviting people into that every single week. Uh, we send you out a motivational minute to keep your focus on uh, Jesus in your place of work. Uh, secondly, we invite you into strategic and tactical business prayer live every Wednesday at midday for one hour, which is literally half of that is stories of what God's doing all over the world. And then we'll tactically teach you and show you and demonstrate and walk you through how to pray using scripture into what's going on in your business. And then there's a whole entire library of content to grow in business, grow in identity and grow in influence. So I trust you enjoy this and uh, super grateful to Bill Johnson and Bethel Church to giving us permission to share this with you today. Hey, I felt like uh, something I was supposed to do today. Uh, uh, it's like we're pulling our car into the bay at the repair shop. We're going to get a little tune up. Something that uh, that we have pretty good training and real good exposure. We've, we've uh, been working on for a lot of years. That's the concept of testimony and the prophetic nature of a testimony. Uh, so to do this right, I've, I've got to take you on just a little bit of a personal journey. Oh, goodness, 30, I don't know, 38 years, something like that ago, I was pastoring in, uh, in Weaverville. And I was in my office, and I was reading, praying, reading in the morning. I was going through the book of Revelation, and I came to this verse in uh, Revelation 19.10. Uh, it says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when I, I was reading through Revelation, when I came to that verse, it just, it's just one of those moments, you know, that you're having God where it's, it's kind of like uh, it's on neon lights. And I, something happened here that I can't explain. I love learning here first because you, your, your heart can fit where your head can't fit. So it's, it's a, he invites us into things that we have perception of here that we can't comprehend. And it's, it's a wonderful way to learn. So anyway, I sense life on that verse. And I actually stopped. I stopped my reading. I looked at that verse. I said, God, there's something here. I know you want to teach me. And I said, please, show me what this means. Show me what this means. Uh, went on through the, <clears throat> the morning. And uh, is that afternoon, maybe, you know, an hour, two, two hours, three hours later, I was in, uh, I was in, uh, in my office 
and uh, just doing work. And one of the guys from the church came and stood in the doorway from the sanctuary. My, uh, this, uh, our church facility at the time, the sanctuary was here. There was a door came into my office. So he stood in the doorway, and he, he, he walked in. And he said, I said, Bill, I said, come on in, sit down. He said, no, he says, I, I've got to get back to work. I just wanted to tell you of the miracle that God has done in healing my marriage. And he stands there in the doorway, and he gives me, you know, a three- or four-minute synopsis of the miracle that God had done in his marriage. And uh, so I, I thanked him for the report. He turned to leave, and he got about this far away, and he turned around, and he said, you can tell this story to anyone you want. You can tell my story to anyone you want. I knew in that moment that something just happened that was connected to my prayer that morning. I couldn't have taught on it. I couldn't have explained it, but I could tell they were related. He had just shared a testimony with me, and he was giving me permission to repeat that story. So let's take the verse. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus. Say it with me. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's do it again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All right, number one, the testimony of Jesus is, is a spoken or written record of anything he's done. All right? So the testimony of Jesus is a spoken or written record of anything that he's done. The spirit of prophecy is that prophetic anointing, prophetic mantle. So what is prophecy then? Prophecy is in two realms that I understand. One is to foretell the future. A prophet will describe something is about to happen on such and such a date. But I think predominantly the prophetic is used not to foretell, but to do something else. And that is to change present situations. The prophetic will be used to make a decree that actually changes the reality that an individual, a family, a church, a city, a nation uh, is facing. It's, the, the word of the Lord is released and it changes the situation. So think of it this way. The testimony of Jesus carries with it the weight of heaven to alter the reality of a problem or situation that we're facing. It carries that. It's written into the DNA of a testimony that it has that ability to actually change reality, change realities. So I, uh, I was in uh, Rochester, Minnesota. I was with a dear friend there, Assembly of God Church, and... Um, I, I, I had spoken at a night meeting. I'd spent some time praying for a young lady. She had, uh, she had been in a snowmobile accident. Her ankle was put back together with pins and, and you know, metal stuff to make it work. And so she had pain. She had restricted movement. She had all that going on in her ankle. And uh, so now I'm, I'm just telling you, the only way I know to learn in some of these things is to either have a mentor or to experiment. And since I didn't know anyone who knew anything about the power, the prophetic nature of a testimony of Jesus, we had to experiment. So the safest way to experiment is with uh, people that you know and trust that you live accountable to. So that if you overextend yourself, they reel you back in and, and you, you clean up your mess. But, yeah. but you, have, you, have to be, you have to be willing to experiment if you're going to try to t touch new things. So, so um, this gal comes to me, uh, the I pray for her this night. She comes to me the next morning and she says, uh, she said, Bill, you, you prayed for me last night. I said, yeah, how, how is your ankle? She said, when I got up this morning, I was getting dressed and my husband looked at my leg and said, hey, that wasn't there before. And she looks down. She was actually missing a part of this calf muscle because of this accident. And it grew back overnight. It grew back. 
So it is, it's, it's there, it grew back overnight. So I thought, well, that's so cool. I said, here, tell her, you know, we've got probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 people in this meeting. It was a morning meeting. And, and uh, so I said, tell them the story. And, um, and so she tells the, uh, the, her testimony, the, the accident and the missing muscle, and that it actually grew back overnight. And so as soon as she starts going back to her seat, there's a gal sitting right here in the front row from uh, Toronto that was a friend of the house, she was, but she was visiting. She walked right up to me after this gal leaves. She said, she says to me, if God did that for her, certainly he would do that for me. Now, she had, she had a brilliant understanding of the kingdom that, number one, God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for another. He doesn't have us in categories where these people get special things and these people get the crumbs. It's not how he works. So she understood that, number one. Number two, she understood that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So something he's done at another time, he'll, he'll do again. So she says, what, uh, if God did that for her, certainly he would do that for me. And so I called the gal that just got healed. I called her back and said, come back here. And then the pastor's wife, they came up and they prayed for her. They watched, she had, had been in an accident and had to actually go through therapy to learn to walk again because she's missing a part of this muscle in, in the leg. She actually had to learn how to walk again. So that's why she wants prayer. So the pastor's wife and this young lady come up, they lay hands on her and they watch and before their eyes, the muscle forms and is, is recreated. It's a creative miracle in the moment, in that instant. That's, that's amazing. Two other women came up. It's like an epidemic of calf muscle problems, you know. It's like, how, how do you get that many people in that small of a crowd that all have something similar with their, with their leg muscle? So two other gals come up. One had been kicked by a horse and destroyed a portion of the muscle. She had a growth in its place. And the other one, I don't remember the details. But they prayed, they watched the, the growth, the tumor disappear, the muscle fill up. The, the fourth one, the same thing. So, uh, we, of course, we, we celebrated the, uh, just the kindness of the Lord in doing such unusual things in such a, such a small group of people. It's just amazing. I flew from there to another city in uh, Tennessee. And um, I don't remember the name of the town, though. It, it wasn't Nashville. It wasn't a place that I normally go to. And uh, I was with, there with a, with a good friend. And so I gave them the stories of these healings these, of these four uh, leg muscle things. And a medical doctor was there who had broken his leg a year earlier. Uh, the muscles had atrophied. Uh, he had restricted movement, a lot of pain. And so he, he wanted to pray. So he came up, and I had a bunch of students with me. They prayed for him. And he came to me sometime later in the evening and wanted to give me a report. I said, I said what's going on with your leg? He said, he said, the pain is all gone. He says, I've got all the movement back. But I was curious about the muscle thing, you know, because we, we, we got a roll going here of, of muscles that's going back. I said, how, how is the muscle, the atrophied muscles in your leg? He said, I can feel the skin stretching. So I, I flew home and I shared those five stories here on a Sunday morning probably. And there was a gal here that I think it was two weeks later, we were in a small meeting. We used to, uh, we were taking some time to pray over some folks and in a separate private meeting, there was maybe uh, 15 or 20 of them we were praying. And she says, uh, she says I, I need to tell you stories. She said, two weeks ago, do you remember when you gave the testimonies of, uh, the, of God healing the legs, the muscles? I said, yeah, I do. She said, I broke my leg a year earlier. 
the muscles had atrophied, uh, I had restricted movement um, and, and pain. And while you were giving the testimonies, my leg turned hot. And we have since learned hot is good. Her leg turned hot and she was completely healed without anybody praying. So, so what happened is uh, I started stewarding these stories and I would experiment. Um, I, w- I would give a story and then we would find out what God was doing. Now, how many of you have heard testimonies before uh, in church? You know, uh, deliverance from drugs, healing of bodies, whatever it might be, uh, stories. I grew up on hearing them and they were always so encouraging and so exciting. But I don't remember one time in all my years of growing up where a testimony was given and a miracle followed as a, re- as a result of the story. And yet it, it is in God's plan. It's in his DNA. So adjusting how we think actually puts us in line for how he moves. Adjusting how we think, adjusting what we expect. I was on the coast with, uh, once again with a bunch of our students and we, were, uh, we had a, a, a meeting there that ended up, <laughs> I think it's the only meeting in my life I lost complete control of. And I'm not a control freak, I just, a control freak, but I like to direct the traffic. You know, I like to make sure this person is healed and this person gives testimony and stuff. But I, I lost control of everything. I finally, I, I did, I finally quit. I finally just got into the fray because it was, I realized I can't get this meeting back. So forget it. They're having all the fun and I'm trying to direct traffic. So, so I, uh, I got down into the, into the fray with people. And uh, I mean, we, this is where we've got an uh, empty wheelchair. We've got a wheelchair being passed up over people's heads up to the front and a gal with uh, permanent nerve damage down the right side of her, or one side of the body, I forget which side, uh, was completely healed. Blind eye was open, deafness was open, all kinds of stuff. So the students come to me and they said, um, we just prayed for this little boy uh, with club feet and God healed him. I said, well, bring him to me, I wanna see him. So they went and got this little guy, he's three years old, and his feet are like this, and he's got scabs on the tops of his feet because they were on the bottom of the feet where he would, he would drag them. And he's, he's three, so a little guy named Chris. So he's bending over, he's, he's playing with the scabs. He's touching the scabs because they were out of view before. You know, now, now he sees it, so he's touching the scabs. And one of his little friends comes out, a little girl comes up to him and says, run, Chris, run. So he takes off in this, like this 20-foot circle. He runs. He comes running back to this little girl, and he says, I can run. I can run. His eyes are like this, you know. His, his face is lit up with joy. Oh, man, it's just enough to wreck you, you know, for the rest of your life. You never forget the look on that face. So he comes back. He says, I can run. I can run. So we, we bring the story home, of course, and I, I share the story here. We had somebody visiting us from out of state, and they had, uh, I think, three children, if I remember right. And one of them was a little girl, almost two years old. Her feet were turned in so severe that she would trip over her own feet when she would try to run. She was in our childcare. And so I taught on the concept of the testimony, and then I gave the testimony of the club feet. She hears the concept that God intends to duplicate miracle. Did I mention this? The Hebrew word, the Old Testament word for testimony comes from a word that means do again. 
that the very nature, when he says, keep a testimony, keep a record of what I want to duplicate, of what I want to do again. It was never meant to be a historical factor that pointed to an old event. It was supposed to be a present tense reality that releases the activity of God into present situations. And so I, I taught on that just briefly. I shared the testimony. She, she says in her heart, she says, I'll take that for my little girl. When the meeting is over, she goes over to get her little girl, and her little girl's feet are already straight. Nobody prayed for her. Nobody prayed for her. Come on. Wow. It hurts. A, f- a friend of mine would say, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood is wet. So anyway, that's, that's uh, amazing. So I take that story, those two stories, and I, I was with Mahesh and Bonnie Shabda. How many of you know the Shabdas in North Carolina? Wonderful people, dear friends of ours. We're, we, we minister there every year with them, and they've been here many, many times. So I I was there and I was talking about a a series of, uh, it happens to be one of the times I was teaching on the concept of the testimony and giving them stories. And in giving the stories, I talked about the club feet, I talked about the little girl and some other uh, leg issue stories. So uh, after the meeting, we spent a little bit of time with Mahesh and Bonnie and uh, and then we have a driver, someone who takes us from the hotel to the meeting, from the meeting back to the hotel. So he's from Brazil. So he... He uh, meets us at the end of the meeting, and we get into the car, and he says, I just got a phone call from, and I don't remember now if it's his sister-in-law or his sister, but he says, I just got a phone call, and my sister, let's say it was, my sister was watching tonight's meeting on, on the internet, on live TV, and she has a little girl about 10 or 11 years old that has deformed feet. She's a beautiful young lady but not only the inconvenience of a problem with the feet, but people just stare at the feet. So it's, it's not only a, a natural issue, it's an issue emotionally. And so the mother is watching online. She hears the, story, the series of stories. And at the end of it, she calls to her daughter, who's down at the other end of the house. She calls her name. The little girl comes into the hallway and says, yes, mommy. And the, the mother looks at her daughter and says, take your shoes off. She removes her shoes and she says, come here. As she walks towards her mother, God heals her feet completely. They completely, completely straighten out. You know, it's, it's, it's not a tool that we use to manipulate. It's the, it's the privilege to broadcast the nature of God because every testimony reveals the nature of God and reveals his covenant with man. The nature of God and his covenant with us. I was in the Modesto, and um, I was uh, a wonderful Assembly of God church there, uh, which, is, which is my history, so I have a special fondness uh, for the assemblies. And I, I, was, I was in this, uh, and it ended up, it was another healing meeting, and great stuff's happening. But this gal comes up to me towards the end. She just walks up to me. She said, her first words out of her mouth, the voice has stopped. I went, all right. Um, Help me to understand. Give me, give me some story here. She says, the voice has stopped. I said, okay, t- tell me what was happening. At that point, her father walks up, who's a retired surgeon, and he begins to explain to me. She has bipolar. She's had bipolar. She's on medication. 
She, her particular issue, she was constantly hearing voices. And now nobody prayed for her. This was during worship, the voices stopped. And the voices stopped. She's trying to figure out, what do I do? Because she has this lifestyle of many, many years. I think, if I remember right, it's 13 years of medication, treatments, whatever. So now uh, both the dad and the daughter are talking to me, wanting to know, what do we do? And so I try to give them advice how to navigate this, uh, this that, the, that God is doing. And so that was, a th- I believe it was a Thursday night, not the next Sunday, but a week later, so it'd be 10 days later, I was standing right back there, and this gentleman walks up to me, says, do you remember me? He says, I was in Modesto, you, you uh, talked to me about my daughter, and his, his words to me were, I have my daughter back. I have my daughter back. Absolutely no effects, no medication, nothing. She's completely restored in every possible way. And it was during worship. It was during worship. So I, I stood up here and shared the testimony that we have this uh, case of bipolar being healed. There were two men in the room at that time that both had, had, uh, both had bipolar for over 20 years each. And the moment it came out of my mouth, instantly they were both healed. Instantly healed. Sometimes this process, but in this situation, it was instantly they were healed. We quit counting about 10, uh, 10, maybe 12 years ago, the bipolar healings. Uh, but for a season there, we were just kept counting them. And there was something like 60 or 65 of them. But I think only three or four were actually prayed for. All the rest were healed either in worship or in a testimony. Just hearing the report of the Lord. Now, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Old Testament, testimony comes from a word that means to do again. New Testament, it is the prophetic nature of the work of God. I want to read a uh, quote to you. How many of you know who Charles Spurgeon uh, was? One of the great, great heroes of the faith, an amazing pastor from uh, England. And uh, he made this uh, comment, uh, July 17th, 1859, and no, I was not there. But, uh, but it was... It was re- it was recorded. All right. There we go. I have to lean, you know, that's my crutch. All right. Here's what he said. He, he preached a message called the story of God's mighty acts. And here's the statement he made. He says, when people hear about what God used to do, one of the things they say is, oh, that was a very long while ago. I thought it was God that did it. Has God changed? Is he not an immutable God, the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does not that furnish an argument to prove that what God has done at one time, he can do at another? Nay, I think I shall push it a little further and say what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Whatever God has done is to be looked upon as a precedent let us with earnestness seek what God would restore to us in the, uh, the faith of these old men that we may richly enjoy the grace as in the days of old. So here in 1859, the body of Christ has an opportunity to step into a reality that I don't think was very common. I've never read one other person write or talk about this reality, and yet it's as plain as can be in Scripture. The nature of testimony and the, and the spirit of prophecy and revelation. And yet Spurgeon makes this announcement with incredible influence. And I don't know what happened, but it appears to me it just got reduced to a good sermon. Instead of an invitation to explore what might be possible if we actually treasured the record of what God has done. 
So now, fast forward. The book of Deuteronomy is the, is the book um, that, uh, from what I understand, uh, young men, Jewish young men would, would uh, ne- need to learn and memorize. And it's kind of the cultural book of the, of the, uh, the books of law. And, um, and I, I, love I used to read it and read it, reread it, reread it, because in it was the instruction to train your children, raise them up in specific ways, and, which is a huge part of my life. So um, I, I, I was reading through, and he says in Deuteronomy 6, he says, keep the commandment, keep the statutes, and keep the testimony. Keep the commandment, keep the statutes, keep the testimony. Okay, we know what it means to keep a commandment. He says, you worship on this day, you worship on this day. So he, he would give them specific commandments. You offer this kind of an offering, this kind of a sacrifice. You just do what he says. So keeping a commandment, a commandment is to obey God. What is keeping a statute? Keeping the statutes of God is where he is teaching us his value system. So in a commandment, he is telling you what to think, but in a statute, he's telling you how to think. That was better than your response. In a commandment, he's telling you what to think. In the statutes, he's telling you how to think. He's actually showing you his perception on reality and how he, how he, how he navigates, wants us to navigate life. So he says, keep the commandment, keep the statutes. And then he says, keep the testimony. How do you keep a testimony? I mean, it's not like doing something. You know, it's, it's not like sacrificing an ox or something. It's, 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 you're supposed to hold on to something. And my conclusion uh, f- through s- studying, especially in the Gospel of Mark, uh, in the, the lifestyle of Jesus, that keeping the testimony basically means this to me, is that I hold the record of God's interventions among people so close to me that they become the lenses through which I see present problems or challenges. In other words, I interpret them through a history with God. A prescribed history with God has now given me lenses through which to see possibility in a problem instead of just a problem. The nature of God in a situation. How is God going to become triumphant now in this situation? Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) It's, It's amazing. But because we actually have the ability to steward the record of God's supernatural intervention so well that they become how we see. They become the place from which we think, the place from which we see, the place from which we act, the place from which we pray. Testimony. It's not just an exciting, encouraging moment, just a uh, moment in a service or in our life. We, we just kind of get a, a, a boost of encouragement and strength. It's much more than that. It is imagine Elijah standing in front of you prophesying. That's what a testimony is. It is prophesying. This is the heart of God. This is the nature of God. This is the covenant of God, and it is available to you. That's what a testimony is. I want you to look with me at Psalm 68, if you would. I had a guy come up to me once <clears throat> at a conference. He said, I, I, he, said, um, he said, I'm 34 years old. 25 years ago when I was nine, I broke my leg. When it healed, it grew 
past the other one, inch and a half. And I've got problems with my back now. I'm a contractor. I've got issues with my back because my broken leg, when it healed, it just got happy and went past the other one. <clears throat> happy was my term, not his. And he said, have you ever seen a leg shrink before? Because he's wanting to know if there's a testimony for it. So I figure if we haven't, there's always got to be a first time, right? <clears throat> so I, I paused for a moment. I thought, and I thought, let's see. Yes, I have. I've seen it happen. I was in an Italian restaurant with a pastor friend of mine in Sacramento. He had been in a, a snowmobile accident. When they put him back together, apparently they had too many parts because he had a leg that was too long. So he's telling me in the restaurant, and I said, I'll just turn your chair aside. So in the Italian restaurant, you know, the nice linen tablecloths and everything, we just, I just, give me your legs. So we lift his legs up, and I command a long leg just to shrink. So it just shrinks just like that. And he goes back to the therapist. He told me later, he said, the therapist said it's perfect. Everything's just right. So I, so I told the guy, yes, I've seen it happen. I said, get a chair. And of course, if we've never seen it, get a chair anyway, because there's got to be a first time. So he sits down, and I'm holding his leg, and sure enough, he's got a leg that's an inch and a half longer than the other one. Sorry, I'm laughing. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, hold, I'm holding his legs up, and, uh, and sure enough, one is is inch and a half longer than the other. And I just had this moment where I thought, should I shrink the long one? Or should we see if God would grow the, the normal one? Now, it, it took me 10 seconds to ponder, but I, I just kind of surprised myself by saying, you know, to the normal leg to grow. It's kind of like the guy who says, I don't want to think before I speak. I want to be as surprised as everyone else. And that was, that was kind of how I, how I was in that moment. I found myself saying to the normal leg, I said, in Jesus' name, uh, grow. And we just watched... Oh, it's, this one's too long. I've, I've got to watch my time here. This one's kind of a weird story. It grows, it grows, and then it shoots past the other one. No. I'm not kidding. I, I would give anything to have a video of this moment because the guy's in pain. How many of you had growing pains when you were a kid? Yeah, so did he. 34 years old, he got like two years of growth in, in, in a moment. His leg is s sticking out there, and I'm on the outside, I'm acting like, Oh yeah, this happens. <laughs> On the inside, I'm saying, oh Jesus. I'm searching my heart. How do I pray now? That's honest my question. How do I pray now? And I remembered the word shalom in the Bible. Shalom, the word shalom is, of course, we know it as the word peace. But it is one of the fullest, most uh, pregnant words in the Bible. It's sound mind, it's prosperity financially, it's divine health, it's all these things. Anything you'd ever ask for in life, it's wrapped up in that word. So what I'm thinking is, that word's got to cover this. <laughs> and so I, I prayed with all the confidence in the world, Jesus help me. I just prayed, no Lord, I just pray that you release the peace, the shalom of heaven over this man and, and it just evened out perfectly. The testimony prophesied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes you just do dumb things, <clears throat> and sometimes the Lord just honors it. Anyway, I was, I was in another city, and there was a gal there, uh, completely deaf ear that opened up. She had had bone cancer, and they replaced this bone with metal, and, uh, and they made it. it uh, she had the surgery when she was 15. They made it an inch and a half too long, 
because they knew she'd grow into it. Well, she didn't grow anymore. And so she's got the same kind of issue. And so she asked for prayer. Her deaf ear opened and then uh, prayed for a leg. Having had a recent experience with growing the wrong leg, that whole situation, it was fresh in my mind. I thought, I'm not messing with this. So I, she was laid out on the floor. So I got out on the floor and spoke to the leg. And it, it, it actually, the, the metal part actually shrunk, came back into the line. She came to me the next day. She said, I'm so glad that you, you had the metal leg shrink. And I said, why is that? She said, because if you didn't, the doctors would have said, see, we told you you'd grow into it. If I grew the other one. So sometimes you look good when you don't deserve it. That's, that's my conclusion is I did not know what I was doing. Psalm 78, are you there? We've got a few minutes late, left. I want uh, 78 is what I meant. Did I say 68? Well, you know what? Just have a good time in 68 because it's a great chapter. It's a let God arise, his enemies be scattered. It's a great chapter. But I'm going to be reading out of Psalm 78. So if you... If you want to join me, join me. Psalm 78. <clears throat> we'll start what, right with uh, verse 3. He's referring to dark sayings and parables. He says, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. What just happened there? Now, think while you're reading this. They are being exhorted to train their children on not only the report of the law of God, the commandments, but to train them with the report of his wonderful works, which is what? That's a testimony. Yes? Yes. All right. Verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. So if you can see, this was a pattern of a value system for the spoken and written record of all that God's done to be given to this generation, that they would give it to the next generation, they'd give it to the next generation. Now it tells us why, and this is important. Verse 7, that they may set their hope in God. There's something about the testimony that conditions or positions a child or an adult to position himself to place hope in God when a trial comes. Their instinctive response is, I'm going to trust God. He's the God who works wonders. I don't understand what he's going to do. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to trust him. Where did that come from? It came because the cloud of their heart, so to speak, was seeded with this thought that God is faithful in impossible situations. So here it says, it says, that they may set their hope in God and not forget his works, the works of God, keep his commandments. Are, are you guys still alive? Yes. You sure you're still alive? Yes. All right. What I want you to notice is, is not forgetting the works of God and keeping the commandments. The testimony and the courage to obey, they're connected. This is really a big deal. Because what, what we do for ourselves, what we do for our children, our grandchildren, we set the stage for them to have courage. Because it takes courage to obey God. Yeah. It takes courage. We want courageous obedience, radical obedience. Out of my life, that's what I want. So here he says, we keep the testimony going multiple generations. Why? So that they'll put hope in God and that they're, they're, they won't forget the works of God and they'll have the courage to obey God. Now, he illustrates it in the next uh, three verses. All right, verse nine. 
that the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. They forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Okay, walk through this, these three verses with me. Verse nine, the children of Ephraim are armed. They're, in other words, they're prepared for battle. They're skilled. They're trained for battle. They've got all the equipment necessary. He said, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. So why did they turn back in, in uh, why did they become cowardly when there was a conflict? Verse 10 tells you, because they didn't keep the covenant of God, they refused to walk in his law. How many you know if you're not walking in obedience, spiritual warfare is not where you want to be? Because you, you, you become very vulnerable. So they turned back in a day of battle. Why? Because they, didn't, they had not been walking in obedience. Why weren't they walking in obedience? Verse 11, they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. There is something about the testimony that instinctively breathes into our soul a courage for radical obedience. It's a part of the process. It's how you keep strong in your confidence and faith in God. What happens if, if the, the testimony of the Lord, if we decline in sharing testimony, then we see miracles less. If we see miracles less, we expect them less. If we expect them less, we talk about them less. If we talk about them less, we see them less. We expect, there's this downward spiral into the point where miracles have become a mere part of our history. Some time ago, God used to do such and such, which is where so much of the church is right now. It was in their history. It was in Israel's history. It was in the, the book of Acts. It was, it was the memory of something that happened back there, but it's not a current reality. It's not a present tense experience. And the testimony is supposed to become that which invites us into this relational journey where we learn how to take, we learn how to take these things that God has said and we simply trust God. We put our lives on the line to take risks to see what he might do. And it's simply because I've been built up by the record of the supernatural interventions of God. I love it when God will give us a glimpse of what he's doing because it's fun to gain in understanding. But oftentimes he moves and I'm just clueless. I'm, I'm a clueless observer that's just frantically trying to learn. I'm not a facilitator in, a sen you know, in the sense that I made anything happen. I'm just, I'm, I've, I've told him, I said, God, I just want to be in the room. It doesn't have to come from me. I just want to be a part. And there are, there are things that he does, the moment in Dallas where pray for this individual who, who the lightning of God literally goes through him from head to toe and he's completely delivered and healed of schizophrenia. Completely, he comes to me a year later in his right mind completely because God brought a, a miracle to him. He ended up going to Africa and ministered, I think he personally was able to bring liberty and freedom through his own testimony to about 40 people that were considered insane, mentally gone. It's a testimony. It's, it's like God has, give, imagine being given, um, you, know, you know, a priceless uh, gem. How uh, I many you know if you've been, if somebody comes to you and says, I'll give you a million dollars if you can wear this ring, it's worth $10 million, you can't lose it. But you have to wear it. You can't put it, hide it away. 
How many of you think you've got that ring on your hand, you're going to be looking at it all day long, you're going to be wrapping tape, you're going to be doing all kinds of stuff to make sure we don't lose this thing, all right? I'm aware of the value of what's on my hand. Are you aware of the value of what's in your mouth? It's the record, it's the, it's the revelatory testimony of the heart, the nature, the covenant of God that actually invites people into a personal relationship with Jesus. Paul, when he was in trouble, he would revert to his personal story into his own testimony. It's not just the miracles of healing. It's the deliverance. It's salvation. It's the greatest miracle of all. And everybody in this room has that kind of a story. I believe that God wants to give us an upgrade. And th this will sound a little strange, but, but actually the whole thing's been rather strange. So it's... <laughs> if... if if you want to change the atmosphere of a room, go to, you know, say a restaurant. You go into a restaurant, three or four people. Sit down and take the first 20 minutes only to share miracle stories. I don't mean miracle stories so that you impress people around you. I mean so that the atmosphere changes because the angelic realm is fascinated by your perspective of Jesus, the Son of God. And they love hearing the stories of what you've had happen, what you've seen, what you know about him. They are enthralled with him. But every story we share, they catch another glimpse of what he's like through the eyes of someone who is redeemed. Simply sharing stories. I, I feel like the Lord would just give us an upgrade in this area. We're, we're going to be touching, you know, I'm, I'm thankful beyond words on what I've seen happen, what we've seen happen, what we've seen happen in this room, what we've seen happen in our city, I just, it floors me. Sometimes I, I get in here early Sunday morning, I just walk around and I just, I just remember, oh, colon cancer was healed here. A woman after 50 some years in a wheelchair gets out right there after a stroke, she walks. Right over here, um, MS, multiple sclerosis was healed. West Nile, or no, uh, ME, uh, this same person had several conditions that were healed. Just walk around this room, the guy who was run over by a 14-ton truck completely crushed his ankle, and he receives prayer over here. There's a pop, his, his ankle turns cold, there's a pop, and it's completely, totally healed, completely healed. Just go through the store, one after the other. The woman who, who uh, could hardly open her mouth, just very little movement because he broke her jaw 10 years earlier. And there was very little movement, extreme pain to open her mouth wide. The dentist, they didn't have time to give her any kind of uh, uh, Novocaine or anything uh, because of the pain she suffered with. And yet one Sunday morning, just simply praying for those with broken bones, she's instantly, completely, totally healed. Right back over here, a man with prostate cancer that's healed. A woman right down here, a tumor in her breast just simply dissolves. And the stories go on and on and on and on. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. But none of them are badges of honor. They're all records of a, of a God who is willing to work in and through very imperfect people. He just, he just looks for people that have a value for his nature and will give him an opportunity to do what he does best. He works in the impossible. I'm there in the journey. And I believe in this fall season, we've got some stuff coming up in another 
couple weeks, three weeks maybe, we're going to be targeting this even more, not the testimony side, but the miracle realm, because I believe it's a season for an upgrade. It's a season for an upgrade. And it's, it's honestly for everybody in this room. You know, Jesus asked the questions of his disciples once. He, they, were, they were bewildered by the challenge that he had just given them. They, they just, it's one of these moments, they're, they're literally just beside themselves, bewildered. And so he then asked them this series of questions, and these series of questions have helped me a lot. He asked his disciples because they were, they were concerned about not having enough food after he had just multiplied food, you know, like the day before, which is, it just comforts me to see other people that, that think as dumb as I do. I just, and when it's in the Bible, I just feel so much better. And so they're puzzled by this. And then Jesus asked them a series of questions. He says, can you see? And you can tell they're not answering. So he says, can you hear? And they're still just staring. And he says, can you remember? Those questions have helped me incredibly. Because there are times I'm, I'm, tr- I, I'm always trying to see. I'm always trying to see what is God doing? I'm always trying to hear what is he saying? So I'm, let's just say in a moment like this, I'm just trying to discern what is it the Lord is doing around the room? And so he comes to me and he says, can you see? And my heartfelt response is, no, I, I, mean, I don't see anything. So then he says, well, can you hear? Well, my hearing's better than my seeing. But at the moment, I don't hear anything. And then he says, can you remember? Yes, I can. I can remember. I can remember. I can remember flying back from New Zealand after having spent some time with a great hero of the faith for me, Winky Prattney. He'd had a stroke. His brain, part of his brain literally just blew up. And he was completely healed, restored, in his right mind, I was on the plane thinking about this miracle of healing with the brain. And I recalled to my mind, Roland Baker, a wonderful friend of our house, had, had x-rays of his brain actually dying. And the Lord completely healed him, raised him up. So I'm thinking on the plane flying back from New Zealand. These are the two smartest men I have ever met. And God restored their brains. I'll bet God is healing brains. I'll bet that's what he's doing. Can you see? I don't see it, and I don't hear it, but I, I can remember. And the, the more I remember, the better I hear, and the more I hear, the better I see. So we came in here on a Sunday, and I called out. I said, God is healing brains. We had right back here. You remember this, Kevin. You were right back here praying for this young lady. She's, in fact, we have the testimony and video. She was dying. She was dying. Terminal systemic lupus of the brain. Chris had a word of knowledge, but somebody had a blow to the head. She's right back there. And she would, uh, when she'd get up in the morning, sometimes she'd pass out, and she'd be unconscious for 30 days. 30 days. She's dying of this, of this disease. And Chris has this word of knowledge and pray. Here's this moment. God is healing brains. And what happens? She's completely healed. Her mother looks at her the next morning and says, you look like you did before the accident before the accident. She then comes to the school of ministry. I think she's in Oxford right now. She's in some smart school because she's a smarty, smarty. So the Lord heals. A young kid over here, he had a, a head that was misshapen because of abuse. He was two years old. I think it was two. And he, he misshapen. And he was very disconnected. He didn't associate with people. He'd wake up in the morning. He's very disconnected. And some of our students prayed for him after this announcement. God is healing brains. 
and they pray for this child. The next morning, the child comes into his mother, which is a miracle, comes into the mother and said, I had a dream last night. Excuse me, he was four, so this happened until the time he was two. He said, I had a dream last night. I'm okay now. And they examined him, and his head was back to normal shape. God is healing brains. Why don't you stand? Can you see? Yeah, I'm not seeing much. Can you hear? I try. Sometimes I hear. Can you remember? Can you remember? Folks, listen to me. You have a responsibility. This is not a pastoral issue. This is not a ministry team issue. This is a people of God issue. What have you seen God do? Here's the great news. You may say, I've hardly ever seen anything happen. I mean, my own testimony is a great miracle, but I've never seen healing or, or deliverance or any of those things. And that's, you know, that's totally fine. I had a long season in my life where I'd never seen anything. But there's a verse in Psalms 119, verse 111, and it makes this statement. The testimony of the Lord is your inheritance forever. Think about it. The testimony of the Lord is your inheritance forever. What is the testimony of the Lord? It's the full record of anything he has ever done on planet earth. He did it with Moses. He did it with Elijah, with David, with Paul, with whoever. It's your, it's your story. It's your testimony. No, you didn't get it. The full record of God's activity with people is your inheritance. Why is that important? Why is that important? Because the scripture says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. There's the legal basis and the word of your testimony. So now the word of my testimony is not just what I have experienced in my life, but it includes what you've experienced. So I hear your story. That's a part of my weaponry. That's a part of the tools that I use to ensure I walk in victory in this present situation. So Father, I pray for a fresh, fresh grace that you would inspire us from the inside out to treasure the record, the reports of the miracles, the interventions of God that we've seen and that we're about to see, that we would never treat them carelessly or casually, but we could together again stand in awe and celebrate you for your kindness, your mercy, that would do such extraordinary things with such simple, simple people as we are. I ask this that the name of Jesus would be exalted.